On the 5th of December, 1790, French revolutionarist Maximilien Robespierre coined a phrase which turned into the cry of the French Revolution, and which is now the French national motto. You might know it. Liberté, égalité, fraternité. Freedom, equality, fraternity. The lower French classes were sick of serving the rich and the powerful, sick of political and social inequality. These were people fighting for freedom. And they're not alone in the course of history. Every culture is full of stories of everyday people fighting for freedom, sick of serving those ruling over them. And even today, around the world, there are people oppressed and suffering unjustly, sick of serving corrupt and evil elites, fighting for freedom. And even we in the UK hold fast to our right for freedom. We're keen to protect our freedom of religion, freedom of speech, freedom of the press. We don't want to be bound by serving anything or serving anyone else. And we see in the Bible that Jesus affirms this. He said he was sent to proclaim freedom for prisoners, to set the oppressed free. He came to bring freedom to those who are socially and institutionally oppressed. But this gives us a bit of an issue when we look at today's passage. If you've got a Bible, we're at Galatians 5. If you don't, don't worry, we've got the verses on the screen as well. In Galatians 5, verses 13 and 14. Paul writes, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Paul starts off by affirming Jesus' words, by saying to the Galatians, they were called to be free. We like this. We like the idea of freedom. We like stories of people fighting for freedom. If we were to backtrack to verse 1 of the chapter, you'll see that Paul backs this up by saying it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Paul affirms Jesus' words that he came to call us to be free. However, in classic Paul style, there's a but. He's saying, hold on, just just wait a second. Let's not carry it away here. Um, I haven't finished. Classic Paul. But I'm just going to ignore what he says after that for a moment. You won't mind. (laughs) What if there wasn't a but? Stick with me here. Um, Surely it would be better if Paul finished there. Jesus has called us to be free, end of. What if that meant pure, unbridled freedom to do whatever we wanted? Maybe that's the way you feel like you live your life at the moment. You might be here maybe as a fresher. This could be your first uh, year in York. And you're relieved to be finally free of living away from home. You're here to pursue freedom. Freedom to be yourself, reinvent yourself, be who you want to be and do whatever you want to do. Or maybe you've just graduated, free to choose where you live, where you work, who you hang out with, what church you go to. Maybe you're earning money for the first time and you're free to do what you want with it. So why does Paul include a but? Often in our quest for freedom from serving, we end up serving something else. We get into a cycle in which we're never truly free. And throwing off the idea of serving, what do we end up using our freedom to do? 
Well, I would argue we end up often just serving something else, someone else, all over again. Now, you might be thinking, my life's not about serving anything or anyone. I'm my own person. I'm free to do what I want. I'm not shackled by serving anyone or anything else. That's ridiculous. But I think in throwing off serving something or someone that imposes themselves upon us, we choose unknowingly to serve something or someone else, a cause, a person, an idea. Everybody serves. I think the messed up thing is that after receiving our freedom, we end up serving something else. We unknowingly desire to give ourselves to something else. What is it for you? Do you think about how you can develop your career, a relationship, popularity, power? Do you put all your money and time into traveling or shopping? Are you living to please your boss, your supervisor, your tutor, your children? What have you ended up serving? In our quest for freedom, we end up serving. Everybody serves. I think Paul puts that but in the sentence because he knows we're not truly free from serving. We just go from serving one thing to serving another. Everybody serves. We'll come back to Paul's take on this in a couple of minutes, but first, let's hear what someone else has to say about this idea. There's a guy called David Foster Wallace, who's, uh, who was a postmodern writer. He wasn't a Christian, um, but he had this to say about the idea of freedom um, in an address he made to some students at a college in the US. It's a two-minute video. Have a think about what he says about the idea of freedom and serving. In the day-to-day trenches of adult life, there is actually no such thing as atheism. There is no such thing as not worshiping. Everybody worships. The only choice we get is what to worship. If you worship money and things, if they are where you tap real meaning in life, then you will never have enough. Never feel you have enough. It's the truth. Worship your own body and beauty and sexual allure and you will always feel ugly. And when time and age start showing, you will die a million deaths before they finally plant you. Worship power, you will end up feeling weak and afraid. And you will need ever more power over others to numb you to your own fear. Worship your intellect, being seen as smart, you will end up feeling stupid, a fraud, always on the verge of being found out. Look, the insidious thing about these forms of worship is not that they're evil or sinful. It is that they are unconscious. They are default settings. They're the kind of worship you just gradually slip into day after day, getting more and more selective about what you see and how you measure value without ever being fully aware that that's what you're doing. And the so-called real world will not discourage you from operating on your default settings because the so-called real world of men and money and power hums merrily along on the fuel of fear and anger and frustration and craving and the worship of self. Our own present culture has harnessed these forces in ways that have yielded extraordinary wealth and comfort and personal freedom. The freedom all to be lords of our own tiny skull-sized kingdoms, alone at the center of all creation. The really important kind of freedom involves attention and awareness and discipline and being able truly to care about other people and to sacrifice for them over and over. 
in myriad, heady little unsexy ways every day. That is real freedom. Everybody serves. We were called to be free, but in our freedom, we've ended up serving. How do we identify what we have ended up serving? Uh, one way to discern it is to think about looking at our thoughts. How do we use our time and how do we use our money? Archbishop William Temple said, your religion is what you do with your solitude. What do your thoughts go to when there is nothing else demanding your attention? What do you habitually daydream about? What do you think about spending your money on most? One or two daydreams doesn't indicate you're giving yourself to something. Ask rather, what are you habitually thinking about to get joy and comfort in the privacy of your heart? I think for me, um, my wife Rosie and I are in the middle of buying a house, and that's a good thing, and we're really pleased about it, but it's been on my mind a lot. And at times I found myself really obsessing about it. The amount of time I spent thinking about carpets and turf and everything has been ridiculous. That's my life. <laughs> but I find it really easy to think about. And I find it really easy to fantasize about when I'm stressed. Um, I spend lots of time thinking about all the nice things that I can spend my money on, um, trying to eke out more and more joy and comfort out of this idea. And it's not healthy. It sounds crazy, but it's true. And I know if that goes unchecked, and that's what I put my money into, and that's what I put my time into, that's what I'm going to end up serving, that idea and that ideal. Far from thinking I'm free to do what I want with my time and my money, I found myself serving something. What could it be for you? Maybe, like I said earlier, you've left home for the first time, and you've come to uni in your quest for freedom, but you've quickly become a servant to workaholism or a servant to your new friend's expectations of you. And those are the things that are driving you. Those are the things you think about and you spend your time and money on. None of these things are bad in and of themselves. Maybe it's right for you to be thinking about your next career move, making friends, expanding your horizons, whatever it may be. They're not bad in and of themselves. But when they become the thing that we serve first, they can eat us up and drive us into the ground. We serve good things, hoping they're the best thing. In your quest for freedom, what have you ended up serving? We'll have some time to think about that question more at the end. But for now, let's go back to the passage. I've cut Paul off enough. Paul writes something which speaks right into this problem that we find ourselves in. The question of what do we do with the freedom that we've been given? Is there an alternative? You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. And he continues, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Paul offers a better way to serve. Paul is saying to the Galatians, you are called to be free, yes, but you're also called to serve one another in love. We're called to be free. We're called to serve. David Foster Wallace echoed this in the speech we've just heard. He finished by saying, the really important kind of freedom involves being able to truly care about other people and sacrifice for them every day. That is real freedom. 
there is an alternative to serving those things that we become bound to, to serving things that we think will fulfill us, but ultimately ruin us. And that is to serve others. There's a ton of context where we could apply this idea of serving others. And I'd encourage you to reflect on that this week. But today, we're going to think about how does that look in G2? What is it about serving others in G2? Have you thought about G2 as a context for serving others before? Do you think, if you're currently serving, about serving at G2 as serving each other in love? If not, why are you serving? What's the point of setting up the PA, operating the laptop, pouring a cup of coffee, running the children's work, playing in the band, running a hub, meeting up with a student for a coffee? Do you see yourself as just a cog in the G2 machine? Helping the G2 machine roll on and on, get bigger and bigger, multiplying for the sake of what? G2's sake? Keeping up the brand, helping put on a good show. Or do you see it as simply serving the people around you in love? I think this verse gives us the right way to view serving at G2. When we serve, we are simply serving one another in love. And if you're serving currently, do you think about it like that? Do you talk about it like that? Or do you just feel like you're a cog in the G2 machine? If it's the latter, as we grow, as we multiply, like we're thinking about in this series... As we grow more and more, we will just keep serving because we think it's what we need to do to roll the G2 machine on and on and on, helping G2 get bigger for the sake of growth itself. And as Christian shared a few weeks ago, our vision for G2 is not to have a better show, but a bigger heart. It would be so easy to just put on a better show. In the next chapter of Galatians, in verse 2, Paul says, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you fulfill the law of Christ. Don't underestimate the impact that serving others in this church has. A kind word to someone sat behind you when they didn't feel like leaving their house on a Sunday afternoon might make their day. A cup of coffee poured for a parent might be the first time in the week they feel feel like they've received something instead of given might be remembering the name of someone new at G2 so they feel valued. It's asking, how can I contribute rather than thinking, what can I consume? We're contributors, not consumers. And our vision for the future is that as we multiply at G2, everybody serves. Not serving our own idols, but simply serving one another in love. And if we have this view that everybody serves at G2. It's the antidote to becoming a consumerist church. Community defeats consumerism. Church is not a show. Realizing everybody serves combats this us and them version of church. Church is a community, not a theater. But community requires service. If, as we multiply We want, as G2, to build a bigger heart and not just a better show. It takes all of us to step up to serve each other in love. It requires us to stray from the default. Else in a year or two in the future, we'll just become a more polished, more empty-hearted version of what we are now. And we're at the stage where a handful handful of people more, just helping with serving coffee, or operating the laptop, or running children's work uh, on a few things, 
will make a huge difference to how people feel served and feel loved. We need coffee pourers and warm welcomers, expressive musicians, talented techies and creative kids workers, people who serve one another through love. But how can we achieve this? Uh, let's finish by looking at the end of that passage in Galatians. Paul finishes by echoing Jesus. He writes, For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. What he's doing there is echoing the words of Jesus in the Gospels, uh, like in Mark 12, where Jesus is asked, What is the most important commandment? To which he replies, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. And the second is this, Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. These verses from Galatians are only part of the fuller picture that Paul is painting in his letters. Uh, in the book of Romans, in, verse 12, uh, in chapter 12, verse 1, he says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Only by looking to the one who sacrificed to give us life will we feel any desire to sacrifice ourselves to give life to other people. Only by serving God, not for what we can get out of it, but for his intrinsic greatness, will we be able to serve others, not for what they can give us, but for their intrinsic value. Only by serving Jesus first will we be able to serve others. And as we multiply as G2, we need to look to Jesus so that we can serve each other in love. We're not going to maintain any kind of sustainable serving unless we realize this is too much for us to just try and do on our own strength. We can't serve others in a meaningful, sustainable way on, your, on our own, but there is one who did. Um, over the last few weeks, since we um, have had two services for the last four weeks, some people have turned up on a Sunday and have stayed from 2 p.m. till 9 p.m. and gone past 9. How can they do this is a very good question. But how can they theologically do this? How can people run a hub where they're inviting people into their house week after week? Why do people serve? Being in relationship with the one who didn't give up but gave himself up prompts us to consider how can we give ourselves up for others and not just give up. I'd encourage you to view serving at G2 like that. It's simply that. And as we have multiplied and as we continue to grow, I'd encourage you to take this opportunity to serve, not to earn anything, not to clear any kind of guilty conscience, to prove your worth or gain your worth, but out of an overflow of the love that Christ has shown us and the freedom that he has given us. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. So maybe your response today is to consider that. A second way to respond might be to consider how serving Jesus fits with what we've end up, ended up serving. Paul writes uh, in the first chapter of Romans, verse 25, they served created things rather than the creator. Serving Jesus frees us from the mire of self-obsession and self-serving. Only by looking to Jesus do we find true freedom. Freedom to turn from the destructive things that we've ended up serving 
turning to, serving each other humbly in love. When we love God first, everything else falls into the right place. The only way to free ourselves from the destructive influence of serving all the created things that we've served in our freedom is to turn back to Jesus. Our endless serving of relationships, popularity, of academic status, whatever it is that comes to mind for you, will come into its right place when we put Jesus in the right place in our lives. Jesus is the only one who, when we serve him, will be able to fulfill us. New York City pastor Tim Keller writes, the living God is the only Lord who, if you find him, can truly fulfill you, and if you fail him, can truly forgive you. Those other things that we serve will never give us that. Only by serving Jesus will those things lose their power over us. So to finish, what is our response? I think there's two parts to this. And it's important that we have some time to stop and consider these and to pray. Firstly, what have you ended up serving? What do you habitually daydream about? What do you spend your money and time on more than anything else? What absorbs your heart, your imagination more than God? What are you seeking to give you what only God can give? It could be career, making money, achievement, popularity, a relationship, beauty. It could be more subtle. It could be an idea that you have to fix the lives of everyone around you. It could be success in Christian ministry. It could be a social cause. What do you look at in your heart and say, if I just pursue this, my life will have meaning. I'll know I'll have value then, and I'll feel secure and significant. What have you ended up serving? Secondly, how can you serve to give others life? Spend some time just considering him who served to give us life. So it could be one of those things that strikes you. It could be both of those things. But we're just going to have a time to reflect um, and consider and talk to God about that um, in our hearts. But let's pray before we do that. Lord God, show us how best to use our freedom. Help us consider what we're serving to give us what only you can give. Bring to our minds what our hearts are absorbed with and find comfort in instead of you. May we know our significance and our security come from you. Forgive us for where we've served those things and just enjoyed you. May we serve you and enjoy those things for what they truly are. And Lord, as we look to you who sacrificed to give us life, help us to consider what that means for how we serve each other humbly in love at G2. Amen.